When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coach of the WA cricket team is going to join us live from Melbourne after what was a pretty tough day at the office. Four for 446 of Victoria at Stumps on the third day's play. So this is no doubt heading for a draw. WA made 466. So the Vicks lead, in fact, trailed WA by 20 runs with six wickets remaining. But we'll talk to Adam Voges, not just about that game, but about a couple of issues in WA cricket. Ryan Campbell, the coach of the Netherlands, is going to join us a bit later on as well. So I look forward to speaking to Cambo, who's in Geelong. And he's got a great story to tell us about uh, how a group of mates have come from all parts of the world to be with him down under as he takes charge of uh, the Netherlands cricket team in the first round of the ICC T20 World Cup. It uh, honours six months since uh, Ryan Campbell survived a pretty significant heart attack that at stages may have uh, been far more fatal than it actually was. But he's on the uh, mend. He's back doing what he loves best. And it appears a lot of friends have ventured down under to catch up with him while he tries to steer the Netherlands to next week. And uh, the second part of the ICC T20 World Cup. So Cambo's going to join us in just a moment. The other thing, again, that's really grown legs on the back end of what's happened with the Australian Diamonds netball team, Pat Cummings, what he said yesterday about Linter Energy as the captain of the Australian ODI side, which was announced yesterday. And, of course, a story that's come through this morning where a group of high-profile Dockers fans, as well as... Former players like Dale Kickett and the inaugural football manager of the Dockers, uh, Jerry McNeil, have called on the club to dump oil and gas giant Woodside as its major sponsor. Now, in an open letter to the Dockers board and President Dale Alcott, the signatory said it was no longer appropriate for a fossil fuel company to sponsor the club as the globe grappled with climate change. Well, in the end, Dale Alcott, the president of the Fremantle Football Club, got on the front foot and said this earlier today. Look, my first comment is that Woodside has been uh, a tremendous supporter and partner of the Fremantle Football Club since 2010, and they remain so today. So we have a contract in place with Woodside, and like any good contract, there's obligations on both parties to uh, fulfil and abide by that contract. You know... I, on behalf of Fremantle Football Club, acknowledge that climate change and sustainability are key social issues. And, you know, um, and, and those key social issues are community issues. Our members, supporters, players, staff, the broader community, we, we all understand it and we all get it. But the issue is complex. It's an important one, but it's complex. And, you know, from a Fremantle football perspective, and particularly with our board, the biggest thing that we do is we listen to all of the perspectives, not just on this subject, but on all subjects. 
and we make sure that we listen and then those issues need to be considered by our management and by our board. And I think the duty of our board is to listen, you know, to maintain balance, give things due consideration, not be re reactive and then make the best decisions um, for our club. And, uh, you know, that's the important role that we've got to play here. But certainly respectful of the point of view of others, not just on this subject, but there's a lot of issues that are impacting sport um, over, over a number of different issues that are concerned to the community. Interesting, isn't it? Uh, well, the Australian mining, energy, gambling and even alcohol companies, uh, of course, are sponsoring sport, aren't doing it, as we know, from the good of their hearts. They're doing it because... It's good for their brands. No question about that. And Australian sporting codes in the most crowded sporting landscape in the world are all too keen to take the money. And why wouldn't they? Now, unless it's one of the big codes in the country, and you're thinking probably AFL, NRL cricket, and possibly the Australian Open tennis, all of which attract hundreds of millions of dollars through TV rights deals, you know, sports are desperate for sponsorship to keep their organisations running. Now... We know the AFL recently signed a record deal worth about $4.5 billion, and that has extensive sponsorship agreements, which in some cases can tie the league up in knots. It accepts millions of dollars from sports betting companies, which also host videos on its online platform warning children against the dangers of online betting. It is just a merry-go-round. And uh, this is crazy, what's transpired in the last few days. Uh, and I can, I can understand both sides of the fence, but who's going to pay if some of these sports aren't allowed to generate sponsorship and some of the players are saying, well, we don't agree and I don't want to play with a brand that'll be on my uniform. There's two ways to go here. Is that the governing body forfeits million dollars of sponsorship, or secondly, the sports person walks away from the sport. Where is the winner? It just, I suppose, illustrates how sponsorship and individual ethics are not always easy bedfellows in this scenario. I'd like to get your thoughts on it. Uh, where does it all end now? I, I reckon it's gonna, there's going to be more to come. There's no question there's going to be more to come. You can join us on the Temper of Bedshed text line 0487 736 736 or give us a yell on the Scarborough Toyota open line 13 12 55. Now, the West Indies are in a world of pain. They're playing their second game in the T20 World Cup, the first round against Zimbabwe. They lost their first match, as we know, to Scotland in what was considered an upset. This is the West Indies, who have won this tournament twice. And here they are, at this stage, probably struggling, possibly, to even get through to the Super 12s. Currently, they are 5 for 99. 5 for 99. The run rate is 7.34. And we're in the 14th over. In fact, a bit of a misfield there by one of the Zimbabwean outfield so they've now cracked 105 for 101. Holder, who top scored for West Indies in their first match, uh, made 30-odd, is there at the moment. He's four from two balls. Maybe they need to call on him again. That wasn't given LBW, that previous dismissal, was it? It looked uh, pretty much plumb to me. Maybe there was a bit of an inside nick onto the pad. Anyway, speaking of... All the terminology of cricket. In fact, another wicket has just fallen, another caught and bowled. So West Indies 
Yeah, West Indies six for 101. Six for 101. Holder has gone for four. Caught and bowled. 14 overs down. And you should see some of the faces in the West Indies dugout. Let's talk cricket with Adam Voges next, the uh, coach of the uh, WA cricket team, about T20, about Big Bash, and also the road they're playing on currently at the Junction Oval in Melbourne. It's eight past five. Tilma, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA-owned and operated for over 40 years. This is The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Doing all right. Yes, and for tyre power, buy three and get one free on selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres at tyre power. Just updating a bit of what's happened in sport. Uh, we can let you know, by the way, the West Indies are six for 106 after 15 overs. They got five overs to get a move on because uh, Zimbabwe, as we know, are no slouches with the bat and certainly at this stage would be considered favourites to maybe uh, defeat the West Indies and the Caribbean Cavaliers could lose their second match on the trot. Meanwhile, FIFA has unveiled their mascot for the upcoming Women's World Cup to be hosted jointly between Australia and New Zealand. And within hours, fans have spotted a glaring problem. Tazuni, a football-mad penguin whose name was inspired by the Tasman Sea separating the two host nations, was announced as the official mascot for the tournament. And people looked into it to see whether Tazuni or the type of penguin that is the mascot actually inhabits any part of Australia. It appears it doesn't, but there is a second species of this type of penguin that actually does reside in Australia. So I think they've got out of it, actually. Uh, Cricket's International Players Union will back and says it will back moves by any player who wishes to protest against sponsors of the T20 World Cup. Uh, The move comes amid concerns over the ICC's Player of the Match Awards, which are sponsored by a Saudi Arabian state-owned oil company, Aramco. Now, the governing body of international cricket announced a partnership with the Saudi company, which is sponsoring Player of the Match Awards in World Cups, beginning with the men's T20 event in Australia. As I told you, it's just getting uh, more and more confusing and political as we go along, and it's affecting a few sports as we know. All right, let's go back to grassroots cricket. Love the Sheffield Shield, even though it's been hard going on a pretty flat deck at the Junction Oval. As I mentioned, uh, day three has come and gone. And at this stage, uh, it is uh, West Australia who lead Victoria by 20 runs. The Vicks have got six first innings wickets in hand. That's after WA made 466. And the Vicks at stumps four for 446. Kindly, uh, their coach in Adam Voges. He's joining us on the program. Uh, Adam, thanks for your time. G'day, Peter. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a, a bit of a grind for the last three days. Gee whiz. Peter Hamskin, 174 not out. Sam Harper is 77 not out. Marcus Harris, the former local boy, made another 100 and 111. Mate, it hasn't probably been... Uh, it's been okay for the batsmen, but I feel sorry for the bowlers. Uh, how have they been able to you know, keep their heads up knowing there's nothing in this track? Yeah, it's certainly been tough work for the bowlers on on both sides, and uh, we we kind of knew that this was a wicket that Victoria were going to try and prepare for us, and and they were I think hoping that the wicket would deteriorate and and break up and spin on on the last couple of days. We we probably didn't see enough of that today, and and tomorrow's obviously another challenge. But uh, we we were a bit of our own worst enemy today. We we missed a couple of half chances. 
on a wicket where you needed to really make the most of, of everything that came your way. And uh, full credit to, to Marcus Harris and, and Peter Hanscom in particular, who batted all day. Uh, they made us pay for, for a couple of early misses. And, um, yeah, look, at, we go into day four tomorrow with really only one team that can win the game, and that's probably Victoria. So we'll, we'll have to work hard to, to make sure that doesn't happen. Mm. So saying that, uh, you would have played and coached many a game like this on flat decks. What do you take out of a contest like this? Oh, I think there's still a lot that you can you can take out. And I think we still know that we still have some relative inexperience within our bowling attack. Uh, Corey Roccicelli, as our as our number one spinner, is only playing in his sixth or seventh game. And, and Lance Morris is still uh, relatively young in terms of the amount of cricket that he's played. So for those guys to... Have a have a pretty tough day and and learn about bowling in these sort of conditions. I think while they won't want to have to do it too often, uh, I, I think they'll learn a lot of good lessons out of uh, the, the areas that they need to bowl and, and and their ability to try and mix things up a little bit to challenge the batsman in different ways. So you can take that out of it. Um, certainly our batters took a little bit out of, of it over the first couple of days, but uh, we, we'll we'll be asked about again tomorrow at some stage, and uh, and we'll have to do that well. And I suppose it's uh, pretty good that batsman, because normally at the start of a season, particularly in grade cricket, you might get a few, you know, green tops early, and uh, it may not be the most pleasant time to bat. But it's good that in this situation, that the likes of Bancroft and Whiteman, you know, Young Wiley, uh, Cartwright, it goes on. Darcy Short have all had the ability of getting some early season runs. Yeah, and some good time out in the middle. And I think more collectively as a as a group and a squad, what we want to try and do is is not only play really well at home at the Wacker Ground and um, and and force results there, but we've got to learn to keep getting better in these conditions. And so this is another good opportunity this week for us to test ourselves in these conditions and and learn about the areas that we need to <clears throat> keep it, keep improving. So, um, but yeah, certainly those batters that you mentioned, uh, they all played really nicely over the the first couple of days, and, and, and they'll get another chance tomorrow. Can I just talk to you about the ICC T20 World Cup? I'm just watching the West Indies at the moment. Uh, Adam, you're probably watching them as well. Uh, they're in the hotel. Six for 115. They get beaten by Zimbabwe, who is certainly, you'd think, favoured to win at this stage. And all of a sudden, the nation that's won the T20 World Cup twice may not even get to the second round. It's, I tell you what, I'm, I've got Cambo on the program after yourself to talk about the Netherlands because they've won their first two games and, of course, they take on Sri Lanka in an all-important third game. I said to Cambo during the day, I don't mind this first round because there's a lot of unpredictability about it and we've seen quite a few upsets already. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. We've, we've seen the West Indies lose their first game. We've seen uh, Namibia beat Sri Lanka in their first game as well and um, that'll be a do-or-die clash for Sri Lanka against the Netherlands uh, coming up. But, um, yeah, it certainly makes for fascinating cricket uh, watching some of the associate nations try and qualify for the main draw within the World Cup. And, um, yeah, I, I think it's fascinating to watch those teams, their journey in, into getting to the qualifying period and then hopefully being able to, to make it into the, the final draw. But for someone like the West Indies, as you mentioned, who have won this tournament before, um, it, it, you never actually really know which West Indies team is going to turn up on the day. I, they haven't obviously played their best cricket so far, but I imagine that any team that comes up against them are, are a little bit nervous because they've, they've got a team full of match winners. So it'll be fascinating to see how the, the game does pan out and, and whether the West Indies are able to get through into the, into the main draw or not. 
I tell you what's interesting also, Adam, and you've been around cricket a long time, as I mentioned, as a player and as a coach, and it happens in a lot of other sports that are played globally. Some of these minnow nations are slowly but surely catching up to the major nations and are starting to cause upsets. So the Gulf, which may have been significant for the likes of Namibia, Scotland and these sort of nations 10 years ago, I reckon are starting to close a bit and they're starting to catch up to those nations that maybe are sitting ranked 10th, 11th, 12th in the world. I think you're just seeing more professionalism within those those countries that you mentioned and um, their programs that are able to develop their cricketers and um, and be able to become more competitive on the international stage. And I think it's really exciting for the game to see those countries and, and to see their development. And uh, the World Cup's a, a major tournament for everyone, but it's another great exposure and opportunity for some of these lesser nations to, um, to, to test themselves and to, to see how they're going. Let's go back to the WA side. You've got an Australia one-day cup game on Saturday. So the final day of the Shield game tomorrow, you'd think it'd probably end up in a draw, but we'll see what happens. And then you've got Friday off, and then you butter up for a one-dayer against Victoria on Saturday. And then, of course, uh, a week or so after that, you're back home playing Queensland in the Shield game. So plenty of cricket to come. Yeah, that's right. And, um, yeah, we've obviously got our minds fairly fixed on tomorrow. But, um, yeah, we've got one eye on the the one-day game, on the Marsh Cup game on Saturday. We've started that competition really well with a couple of wins. Um, The weather gods uh, may play a part on Saturday. The forecast isn't fantastic. But, um, yeah, look, we're we're looking forward to putting out a really strong side for Saturday as well. We'll get a few of the guys over from Perth, um, Jason Berendorf, AJ Ty. Ashton Turner, uh, to name a couple, who will come in and strengthen that one-day outfit. And, um, yeah, we'll look forward to, to hopefully getting game in on Saturday before we return to Perth for, for a couple of weeks of home games, which we're certainly looking forward to. Yeah, I was going to ask you which players are coming in, but you've answered that as well. And just before we let you go, it's dangerous playing golf when you're a cricket. I see that Joshy Inglis, uh, three days out from the, the opening T20 World Cup, played a bit of golf and uh, reportedly incurred a hand injury, which may place his uh, T20 availability in some sort of doubt. Be really bad luck for the 27-year-old if uh, he is out because of that injury playing golf. It would be a freak accident from what I've heard that uh, his golf club actually snapped in his hands and and, uh, he's got a bit of a laceration on one of the hands. He's, I believe, getting discharged from hospital pretty shortly. Um, I think he's got a couple of stitches in that hand and hopefully it's a really uh, quick recovery for him and that uh, he is able to take his place in the World Cup squad. But I'm sure we'll find out a little bit more over the next 24 or 48 hours. Adam Voges, you're a good man. You make yourself available and I appreciate it, uh, even though it's late over there in uh, Melbourne with a three-hour time difference. So good luck tomorrow and also good luck on Saturday and we'll see you back in town next week. No problems. Thanks, Peter. Good on you. Adam Voges, the coach of the WA cricket team, joining us here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. All thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. You can always get the right tool from the start at Toolmart. Ryan Campbell joins us next on the program. It's 23 past five on this Wednesday. This is The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Doing all right. Yes, go uh, way back with this fella. Uh, Many, many years ago, we've known each other. He was an absolute outstanding cricketer, certainly in the short form of the game. I still believe he invented the ramp shot. 
even though I think Virat Kohli claims it, this man invented the ram shot. Don't worry about that. He was one of the pioneers on certainly unorthodox cricket shots when it came to the short form of the game. But since uh, around about February, I think it was, uh, 2017 or April 2017, he took over the reins as the head coach of the Netherlands uh, cricket program and the Netherlands national team, who are currently now contesting the first round of the ICC T20 World Cup. They've got back-to-back wins, and, of course, they take on Sri Lanka in their third and deciding match tomorrow. Ryan Campbell, lovely to chat to you again. Oh, Pete, it's great to have to be here, mate. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure to chat to you. <laughs> we go a long way back. We do, mate. We do. I'm a bit older than you, mate, so you've got age on your side. But saying that, speaking about age, it doesn't matter after what you experienced uh, almost six months ago with that cardiac arrest. And I believe there's a, a special gathering of some very good friends of yours that have uh, arrived in Geelong to honour you making it to six months after what was a uh, significant uh, story come April of this year. Yeah, mate, thanks for that. It, it's like I'm, I'm extremely humbled. Um, you know, I've had some, you know, I always believe I've got wonderful friends, but, uh, yeah, I've got guys from Vegas, I've got guys from Hong Kong, from Perth, from Sydney, from Melbourne, um, they've Vanuatu, they've all flown in to uh, an opportunity just to sort of reflect and, and to have a few beers and enjoy a bit of company, which, like I say, I'm extremely humbled to be um, with them and, yeah, kind of centres you as a coach when you think, we live and die in, in the sporting world by wins and losses, but uh, sometimes things, some things are a bit more important. And, uh, yeah, extremely humbled to be here and having a, a couple of beers with some wonderful people. And how much have you changed from a mental perspective, Cambo? You've, you turned 50 this year, so uh, you've got to the half century. And uh, with your life experience and what happened to you earlier this year, have you come a bit more emotive? And when things like this are happening tonight, uh, do you sit back and reflect how lucky you are to firstly have the opportunity to have a beer with your mates and also the fact that the mates have uh, taken the time out to reconnect with you? How do you feel from an emotive point of view? Mate, I'll I'll be honest. Look, I think like most of us who have been came through you know, we're not the next generation. Like, I, I was brought up, it's got to be tough. You don't share your emotions. You sort of keep it all with, inside and, you know, be who you are. And if you have to deal with stuff, you just deal with it. But, mate, I've I, I got to be honest, I, I shed a couple of tears when, you know, the guys came in and give us big hugs, and especially a guy like Simon Millington who... Uh, was is a dear friend who flew in from Vegas all the way to England when I was going through obviously the worst part of it just to be there as support for my wife and my family and you know listening to his tale of that week which I haven't had that opportunity to talk to him about that week um, you know him telling me what he went through and what he thought and you know the bravery of my wife who went through obviously a horrible week it's it's been a bit emotional I shed a, a tear or two and we we've had a couple of beers we've had you know lots of hugs but uh, again extremely humbled extremely gracious of, of what's happened glad to still be here still love the game of, of cricket and obviously all sports so um, yeah it, it, it's been a, a really good night so far mm. 
How's Leon Tina going and uh, and the kids, uh, Cambo? Where are they at the moment while you're uh, heading up the uh, Netherlands Challenge in this ICC T20 World Cup? Mate, they're, they're, they're back in the Netherlands. Um, they've been watching every game. My, my son, Jake, especially, uh, loves the Dutch team. And, you know, they're up early every every day to uh, to watch the, the guys play. And obviously it's hard being separated from them, but they're going really well. <laughs> Mate, to be honest, Pete, it, it still blows my mind that I've got two kids who speak fluent Dutch. And every time I, I, I walk into the into the house and, you know, play dates are going on, I'm thinking, geez, who are these random kids who are speaking Dutch? But it, it's actually my two. But um, my biggest fear is that they've just started to realise that Daddy, doesn't matter how hard I've tried, doesn't quite understand the Dutch language yet. They yeah. have a good gist of it. So when they talk to each other in secret in Dutch, they they know that Daddy doesn't understand. Mm. And I suppose uh, they also realise after what uh, experience the family and your close friends experienced back in April this year, they probably don't like Daddy going away too often. No, no, you're right. It's, you know, my daughter especially. Uh, obviously, both kids were at with me when the event happened, but my daughter was actually holding my hand when I hit the ground. So, um, you know, she still asks, is Daddy okay? And, and I've had, you know, I've been very open about it. I, I've had a ICD in, in, put in my chest, which uh, is the same piece of equipment that... Um, I, I think Ericsson has at Manchester United. Mm, yeah. And, you know, she she touches it every now and again just to say, are you okay? That's daddy's insurance policy. You know, as long as you're okay. And they understand that we, what we went through. And they've, they've been extremely brave. Like I say, my wife has gone through a week of something that no one should ever go through. I can't remember any of it. So mm. when people ask me, how are you going? Mate, I'm fine. I woke up and thought everything was cool and honky-dory. But, um, yeah, that, that, that's the thing for me. And, and that's why I'll always be as big an advocate as I can for, mm. you know, Restart a Heart Day was on October 16. And, you know, Greg Page, for instance, from the Wiggles, does a great job with trying to promote AEDs everywhere we can. And, mate, I'll, I'll be always extremely grateful and whatever I can do for that sort of... Um, you know, charities and things like that and, and awareness, hopefully I can help out. Good on you, Cambo. It's interesting, isn't it, when you look back and you've just told me you don't remember any of that incident. A uh, mate of uh, ours, Kim Hagdorn, who's worked with me during the course of the footy season, of course, was involved in a very, very serious uh, car accident in April last year. He doesn't remember any of the accident as well, which is probably a good thing in one way or another. Took him a while to get back, almost 12 months, but Haggers is back and uh, I know he's looking forward to possibly catching up with you in the not too distant future. Let's have a look at the cricket now, mate. Um, yep. The West Indies are six for 143. They lost their first match against Scotland. They're in the final over against Zimbabwe. What I've liked about this first round of the ICC T20 World Cup, Cam, and I mentioned this when we were talking earlier, is the unpredictability of it all. Mate, it's wonderful, isn't it? You know, even when Namibia beat Sri Lanka... Um, it probably said to the world, look out, you know, and again, you're probably sick of it, but I've been harping on about the best associates 
mate, we're good. We're, and we're coming. We want to take big victims. And, you know, that first couple of days, we saw the West Indies beaten by Scotland. We saw... Uh, Namibia beat Sri Lanka, although I'll be honest, the, the Namibia beating Sri Lanka has put us in an awful corner. Yeah, but, tomorrow. Um, it, it, it's great for world cricket, you know. People got to keep, they got to let it go that, you know, it's just about the big teams. All these uh, little sides, what, what you call little sides or associates, America is coming, Nepal, us, Namibia, you know, Oman. It's another team, mate. We are promoting the game and we're getting very good at it. And the more times we just ignore it, it's just, it's sad for me. And that's probably me saying that after 10 years being in the associate world with Hong Kong and, and the Netherlands. Mate, I see, I see what happens. And I think we just need to keep expanding the game, giving opportunities for the big ones. For instance, Namibia, who went through to the World Cup last year into the final 12, who've beaten Zimbabwe recently and now have beaten Sri Lanka. In the next four years of the FTP, they do not play a full member, which to me is just sad. Yeah, good call. Uh, saying that, Ryan, and I'll let you get back to your mates, and we thank you very much for taking a few minutes with us. What about tomorrow? Uh, what is the camp thinking? A take on Sri Lanka. It's a really a do-or-die match for both nations. How are you preparing for it? Mate, we, we prepared as, as normal. We worked hard. We prepared well. You know, obviously, we've watched. We understand what happened last year in the World Cup and what Sri Lanka did to us. Um, and I think we're in a pretty good headspace. We know we have to bring a really good, you know, our A game, probably our A-plus game. But if Sri Lanka are a bit off then they're going to cop it. And, you know, we're, we're here to win and we'll see what happens. Um, you know, like I say, I didn't think we had to win three games to get through to the next round when we first came here, but that's what's happened and that's mm. what we're going to try and do. Good on you, Rhino. And when the uh, T20 World Cup is over for Ryan Campbell, you go back home to Holland? Uh, it is, but uh, as it's been announced, uh, um, I'm going to step away from my, yep. uh, my Dutch gig. Oh, I think... Um, when I started and as a coach, my priority was to leave the place in a better spot than when I started. I think I've done that. And now I'm ready for my next challenge. And um, wherever that is, hopefully, uh, I'm going get, to get given an opportunity and I'll, I'll take it on with, uh, you know, 100% commitment. Will the Dutch-speaking family be open to maybe coming down under in the not-too-distant future? <laughs> Well, you know what, Pete? You know me. I would love to take my kids to the beach and, and grow up here. And, but we'll, we'll have to see what happens. You're a good man. Good on you, Rhino. Good luck for tomorrow, mate. And enjoy tonight. It sounds like it's going to be a special night for you. Thanks, mate. Thank you good for on your you. time. Good on you. Ryan Campbell joining us here from Geelong, the coach of the Dutch national team. Big game tomorrow against Sri Lanka. Good to have a chat to him. We're going to take a break. Come back with more in a moment. This is Drive with Peter Vlahos. From the SENWA studios here at Optus Stadium, there will be a buzz shortly because we've got the T20 World Cup matches coming our way as well. Five beauties that we'll be broadcasting on the SEN network. Uh, we're here for Toolmart, the complete tool centre. Back with more in a moment. Your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. This is The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Doing all right. Yeah, it's great to have your company. 150 
Uh, they finish with the West Indies after their 20 overs against Zimbabwe. So that's going to be an interesting run chase by the African nation who are looking at uh, maybe beating the West Indies and incurring uh, the West Indies who have won the tournament twice, uh, possibly another defeat, which would mean they almost would certainly miss out on progressing to the Super 12s stage. Speaking about the T20 World Cup, it's coming here to Optus Stadium as well. And to tell us more about it is Peter Bocop, the Chief Operating Officer of uh, Venues West. Pete, thanks for your time. G'day, Pete. How are you travelling, mate? Good. They're all cranking up here at Optus Stadium. Uh, the flags and all the paraphernalia is up, ready to welcome, of course, spectators, visitors and the teams for what promises to be five big days of T20 action here at Optus Stadium. Yeah, Men's T20 World Cup for 2022 um, featuring Australia and I just heard your comments about the West Indies. So that'll be an interesting qualifier. I'm not sure if I can imagine um, a World Cup final without the West Indies appearing. But anyway, let's hope it's... Yeah, they're struggling at the moment. ...at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. How are ticket sales going, Pete? And for those people that are interested in getting some of the tickets, I think the first game is, of course, England against Afghanistan. Uh, Australia play a qualifier here. But one game that I'm looking forward to broadcasting is India against South Africa. And I gather with the amount of Indian people that reside in Western Australia, and, of course, we've got a lot of South African people that now live here in Perth as well, that could be very well attended. Well, I think so. I mean, let's keep in mind it is a World Cup, so it brings out... You know, all the best that people want to see about sport with so many nations being represented. And look, everything is selling very well, especially the Australian and England matches. Um, but if you want to get along there, don't leave it too long. You'd hate to be disappointed. How do they get tickets for the T20 World Cup? Uh, if you just jump onto um, the website for Optus Stadium, that'll direct you to a selection of tickets and um, a range of other corporate opportunities and so forth there as well. Pete, if, you, um, takes, if it so takes your desire. Okay, and we've got a test match. We've missed out on test matches here in Perth over the last couple of summers, but we've got one this time around, of course, and that leads into what promises to be a big summer with the Big Bash. Oh, absolutely. And, and let's note, this is the West Indies. And believe it or not, mate, the West Indies haven't actually um, played a test match at Optus before. And it's been 2009 since they're in Perth playing one. So a little one yeah, to the ages. a long time. Here, and, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, growing up as a kid, I was, um, how can I say, I was quite... Uh, enamoured by the West Indies through the late 70s and 80s and what they did to other cricket teams. So their reputation precedes them. So it's going to be wonderful to see them taking on Australia there, commencing on Wednesday the 30th of November. Yeah, no, looking forward to that. And the Big Bash League, uh, the 12th edition, that starts in December as well, doesn't it? Yeah, look, there's three fixtures in December and another four in January. And Geez, aren't the, um, the men's and ladies just flying along at the moment for West Australian cricket? Yeah, no, they're doing um, well. The WBBL is sensational, of course. They've played two matches and won both of them, so they're doing very, very well. Okay, what about the Perth Wildcats? Uh, they did drop one against Melbourne United the other day. Uh, they're away to yeah. the Jack Jumpers uh, this weekend, but, of course, plenty of home games to come there at RAC Arena. Yeah, look, um, plenty of games, and they're in block Buster time slots. We've got eight Friday and Saturday night home games to be played at RAC. The ones upcoming 
the 28th of October, then the 3rd, 17th and 24th of November. A couple of games against Melbourne Phoenix in there. And um, so the Jack Jumpers did so well last year. Keen to see the Wildcats take them on on their home turf. Of course, there's been a lot of work put in, uh, you know, certainly with the state government and people at Venues West to try and accommodate the Perth glory because they can't play any of their home games at HBF uh, Park. So let's have a look at Macedonia Park, which is going to be their temporary home ground for this season. How's it coming along? Yeah, look, there's, there's been quite a lot of um, upgrade work going on. The pitch is being fully renovated. There's temporary lights going in for broadcast and stands being built and a whole range of other facility upgrades. Um, on the positive, Pete, once the HBF Park is complete for the World Cup, there's going to be a lot of legacy facilities there, um, especially with media and player facilities. Uh, the, the change rooms were dating back to 1956, so it's going to be great to bring them up to mm. 2022 and all the sports will benefit from that. Um, but look, it is one of the challenges to get ready for the World Cup. The standards of the facilities have to be so high. It's just taken quite a while to get all of those improvements through and we've still got a little bit of work to go, but we're hoping it'll be complete sometime around January, February. Um, but it has necessitated Perth Glory to, to play a lot of their season at Macedonia Park. Okay, um, we'll talk more about that when it comes closer to time. HBF State Stadium, a bit of a change of pace. Eternal MMA 71. We know that the government announced that UFC returns to uh, Perth in February, uh, and this is going to be also quite a popular event on the 29th of October. Yeah, this is, let's see, this is a bit of a precursor. Uh, this Eternal MMA, it's one of the most active and respected MMA organisations in Oceania now. Um, on the card on the night, we've got a, a lightweight, featherweight, welterweight titles and also the Australian Banterweight Championship is on. We've got a gentleman by the name of Sean Eschel. He's taking on Rod Costa, who is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu expert. Hmm. So it's, it's one of those great fights. I mean, they love getting out there and performing fights that fans want to see. There's no gimmicks. It's just people that are well-matched and comparing their skills in the varying martial arts. So really, really good event to get down on here and see on the 29th of October. Fantastic. And about a week after that, tell us about what's happening at the WA Athletic Stadium and the Triathlon Pink. What's this all about? Yeah, well, they said that there's more pink you'll see there than an under five ballet class. <laughs> so um, this, this is a wonderful event. Um, this is all in the support of raising money for the National Breast Cancer Foundation. It's there for the ladies. You swim, you ride, you run. You walk all your way to the finish line. There's individuals, there's teams, and there's kids' distances. There's something for everyone. So it's not your average triathlon, but certainly one about mass community participation and all dedicating money for a great cause. And last year, she raised over $2.3 million to the National Breast Cancer Foundation across the pink triathlons. Before we announce uh, a chance to maybe meet and even greet uh, one of our great sporting superstars in the last 12 months. He's returning home. We'll give you some details in just a moment. Tell us about what's happening in the Perth Motorplex and the Palooza season opener happens again, uh, I think, what, next weekend? Yeah, the 22nd of October. And the Palooza is fantastic because you get to see everything that goes on at the Motorplex. So you start off with your drag racing. You'll see your funny cars, your door slammers, your supercharged top, uh, top comps and your jet dragsters. And then after that, you can move across to the Burnout Brigade and you can see all the cars there do their thing in the snake pit. And then after that, at 7 o'clock, you've got the Super Speedway kicking off. So all three components of that facility are at full flight. 
Good stuff. That sounds uh, for the petrol heads. I'll love it. 22nd of October and the 29th of October. Tell us about this star that won the 2022 Giro d'Italia. We're talking about Jai Hindley. He's returning to the Speed Dome, which will be a fantastic occasion, after, of course, taking off the race of Italy. Uh, but uh, when's that likely to happen, Pete? I know uh, a date still needs to be locked away. Yeah, look, we're still um, finalising that date. Obviously, on the, a week or so ago on the 8th, uh, Joe did a bit of a, um, a commemorative ride into the Perth CBD with his ador- adoring fans. Uh, I mean, his, his feet can't be understated. He now joins Cadell Evans as the only other Australian to have won a Grand Tour. And at Venues West, we, we love the fact that we can champion dreams and Jai. His cycling started at the Midland Cycling Club. Right? He raced at the track at Speed Dome, and then he moved to Waste to to be coached and developed into the athlete he is. And um, man, he won the Giro. That doesn't come much bigger than that. Who knows, maybe next year um, the Tour to France might be on the cards. Yeah, no, good stuff. All right, Pete, there's plenty happening, certainly at the Venues West uh, Sporting Stadia right across town. And, of course, uh, thanks for bringing us up to date with everything that's happening. Of course, Optus Stadium with all the cricket, the Wildcats at the RAC Arena. We've got the glory in a few weeks at Macedonia Park, eternal MMA at HBF Stadium. Plenty happening at the WA Athletic Stadium with the Triathlon Pink. And, of course, the Power Pol- loser season opener happens on the 22nd of October. Thanks for giving us uh, a great wrap. We'll talk to you again soon. Uh, my pleasure, Pete. Good Thanks, on you. Peter Bocop, the Chief Operating Officer there at Venues West. And if you're interested in any of those events, uh, just jump on the uh, Venues West website where you can uh, maybe direct it to where you'd like to get your tickets. Just before I go, of course, an announcement this morning on the SENWA breakfast program with Scotty and Goss and Mark Duffield, the well-respected Perth football and also sports writer, is joining SEN and will be doing mornings commencing in early November. He was in the uh, Brecky studio this morning. Look, hopefully... um a mix of news and, and analysis, I hope, and hopefully it's, it carries enough weight that it sort of helps set the agenda for the day. That's, that, that'll be the plan. I mean, obviously you don't get to do that every day in journalism, but hopefully you, you get to achieve that sometimes and tell people things that they don't know um, and that inform them and, uh, and then try and help them make sense of what's gone on um, you know, over the last 24 hours in, in footy, which is not all, always easy, given you've only got to look at St Kilda over the last week to know it's not always easy to make sense of it. But uh, <laughs> um, but that'll be the plan. Yeah, so there you go. Mark Duffield actually was online. Now, I did see a photo with he and uh, Scotty and Goss, uh, but it may have been a photo when he was actually invited as then the chief footy writer of the West Australian. But uh, welcome, Duff, to this band of uh, larrikins as we term ourselves uh, sports broadcasters. We love doing what we do. And, of course, uh, you'll be following Monday to Wednesday uh, the SCNWA breakfast program with Scotty and Goss. Thanks for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed the program. Thanks, Lise. Uh, I'm glad you enjoyed the chat with Cambo. It was really nice to have a chat to him. But also the fact that he's happy and healthy and we wish him the best of luck for the Netherlands tomorrow. And also, Lise... Also uh, saying well done, SEN, on recruiting Mark Duffield as well. Thanks for your time. Don't forget, uh, get behind the Perth Wildcats this season and you can pick up your home tickets by heading to tickertech.com.au now. Thanks, Jimmy, and also 
thanks to Lee. This has been uh, Drive with Peter Vlahos on SENWA. It's all thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre where you get the right tool from the start. Zimbabwe, none for five off the first three balls, chasing 154.